0: This is a crazy moment because uh, for the last six weeks, I have been a construction worker, and uh, if you know anything about me, I had to bring my toolbox here, and I have one toolbox, and it makes me look like as manly as manly can come, and I don't actually know how to use any of the tools in my toolbox. But thankfully, there are other people that were able to use them for me, uh, and they would ask my opinion, like, should we should we paint this? Should we should we screw in this? How do we do that? I'm like. I what, ask, ask somebody else, like, what do I know? And, and I, I think I painted one spot, like, over there, and our, our the people that were painting were like, thanks. And, and then I walked in on them painting over it, which was really, <laughs> really awesome. So, so nice of them. Uh, but it was my tools that built the basketball hoop. So you youth, when you come to a youth group, uh, just remember Pastor Jason's tools built your hoop. It wasn't me, but the, the, my tools and whatnot. <laughs> And uh, so I am thankful now to be able to take this hat off and not have to wear it any, any longer, more dramatic than it need to be, not have to wear that hat anymore. Because trying to wear the hat of a pastor and trying to be a fake construction worker is really annoying, and it's not me. I am terrible at the construction hat. I've worked construction, and I never uh, made a career out of that. You and I are accustomed, though, to wearing multiple hats at different times in our lives. Some of you work jobs, and the frustration of your job is that you are wearing multiple hats. You're doing what you're paid for, but then you're getting roped into these other responsibilities that other people are paid for, and you're like, "What? Like, why do I exist? And, and it builds and breeds this frustration as you're trying to wear multiple hats, and you can't do any of them with excellence. And so it breeds that frustration. But then we also do it on, well, I wear the hat when I'm on a certain sports team, or I wear a hat when, when, when I am uh, at my job, or I wear a hat around my family. And, and when we're trying to live in multiple worlds, when we're trying to merge multiple hats, here's what happens. Frustration. Here's what happens. You can't do any of it with excellence. You become inactive because you don't know which hat to put on at what time, or you mistakenly, you're wearing the construction hat, and then you're letting the construction words fly around your family. And so you compromise. Paul knows that. He knows that our, our nature is to merge multiple worlds, and so he steals the pen from his scribe, and he writes this in verse 11 as we close out this series. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It would be completely normal for Paul to have a scribe. He would use a scribe, he would dictate to somebody else. They would write for him because that person, that was their job, that was the hat. They wore, and so it would happen quicker. They would, they would be able to write the words correctly. They, they would get the right grammar. Paul would just speak. They would make it rain letters, and everything was good. But at the end of this letter, Paul says, I'm taking the pen. I'm writing this in my own hand. See, the font is different. See, the letters are bigger. It, it's like you and I, if we were to write an email in all caps, or we would bold certain things. This is Paul saying in, in italics or, or in bold or whatnot, underlining, see this. This is the point. His point is a final plea like that of a lawyer. At the close of this letter, Jesus paid it all. Grace is enough. Faith alone in Jesus Christ alone is enough. It's his final plea that works is not going to make it. Works is not going to work. It's not the law. It's Jesus. And so our point for this morning is see for yourself that the new life is the only life. I feel like that's how Paul is summarizing this at the very end. See for yourself the new life is the only life. And so Paul concludes this letter asking us and the reader to make an important choice. The first choice that we can make is that of the dead life. He continues on by saying, if if those who want to make a good showing in the flesh, law, works, who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. Paul brings out these people. we've called them the Judaizers, these, these, Christian, these Jewish Christians that are now have, have converted, and, and now they're trying to make everybody follow the works and the laws of, of, the, Jewish, of the Jewish way of going about it. And, and Paul is saying, no, they have chosen what is a dead religion. They have chosen a dead life. See how they did this. They're trying to force you to be circumcised, but to what end? Choose a different life. Choose something different than what they're trying to do. They're they're trying to force you to do this. They're putting pressure. They're persecuting you, trying to force you to be circumcised. We might be able to force a a decision upon somebody, but if we force the choice, is that really a made choice? Can can you force somebody to accept something? Is that true acceptance? And so they're going about this. Paul is highlighting. That if you are avoiding persecution, then 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 what's what, what like who who who's your God? What are you, who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to accomplish? He, he understands that if you are if you convert to Christianity and you go ahead and cut off a piece of your body for circumcision, you're doing it to avoid persecution. Who's your God, and what's the point of it? And so he points out that their agenda is to boast. Their agenda is their own agenda. They're promoting themselves. They're promoting circumcision as like the pinnacle of the Christian faith, as the pinnacle of the Jewish faith, or the pinnacle of faith in general. If I do this, I've got it going on. They're putting on a show, but Paul points out, have they kept the whole law? If this is the end-all, be-all, have they kept everything in between? No. So they're only doing this to boast. They're only doing it to to get you to pick them, not others. Paul is saying here at the end, you have a choice. You can exist for the glory of your flesh, the glory of your name, or you can exist for the glory of his name and his glory alone. Pick. So we are accustomed to wearing many hats. When I was out of just out of college, that, that last portion of college, I, I lived down in Lynchburg, and I've shared that before, and I, I had multiple hats I would try to wear down there, and it was frustrating. Uh, I had, I, I didn't bring my Red Sox hat, because we all lost last night. <laughs> no one else is coming. I used to wear a, a sports hat. This is my Active Faith hat. I used to wear a sports hat because I wanted to act athletic and I'm not athletic. I, I try to be. I'm a want athletic try to guy. And so I, I would wear this hat trying to impress certain athletes when when I would play tennis and things like that and I wasn't too great at that. But then while I was down there I I had like this is my Rivka. Is that how you pronounce it? Like I Ruka. Ruka. Whatever. See, I'm a fake. And so, like, I had my surfer hat, right? And uh, I would, this would, like, when I hit up in the club, like, I would go to the clubs and whatnot. This would be my hat, fake. And because then, then I would go to the clubs on Saturday night, but then I would go to church the next morning and put on my Jesus hat. <laughs> and put on a show when I was helping in the Sunday school. When I was doing certain things, I would, I would have to switch hats because I can't wear my club hat because if somebody saw me the night before, I better be wearing my Jesus hat. And then I I would have this is my dad my dad uh, co- uh, coaches tennis at SNU University so I would act a certain way around my family when Grandma came to town you would hide certain things at your apartment because heaven forbid Grandma comes in and sees certain things like Grandma's gonna damn you to hell uh. <laughs> and then I then when I was hitting up with the girls and whatnot if I wanted the right girl I would put on my family hat like I'm not a partier I'm a family I don't watch the show, but I'm a family guy. I would put on different hats, and what, what came out was just frustration. Uh, I, got, I got caught off at, 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 at Karen University one night when I was out the night before partying. I'm working with a group of people the very next day, and they happened to be there where I was the night before when I was ripping shots. And, and I'm, I'm working with them on a project the next day and they're asking about the project and I'm faking like I care about integrity. Like, oh, can we, do we, re- like, I have to go to chapel every single day because that's the rules. How, how could we possibly skip chapel? I'm having this discussion and one of the girls thankfully had the guts to look at me and say, like, you really care? Do you really care? I was there last night in front of the whole group. And it was that dagger in the heart that as I'm trying to wear multiple hats, as I was trying to choose the dead life, but think that I wanted the real life, I was called out to the curve for it. And I could think because it, it started the slow path of what am I really living for? If I am only choosing God 80% of the time, am I really choosing God? If I boast in the fact that I'm faithful to Ava 80% of the time, Does that work? I can't boast in being near perfect. So we have a choice where we can boast in our flesh, our imperfections, or we can boast in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So what are you wrapped up in? Are you wrapped up in Christ or the selfish world? If you're wrapped up in the cross and you go to Golgotha and you make that everything about your life, Golgotha is the hill that Jesus died on. And so choosing life, that's the second choice, choosing real life. But far be it from me to boast in a uh, boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world, for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor or neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. But as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. And beyond them and upon the Israel of God Israel of God from now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Many of us walk into this room or we know of people that that wear the chain with the cross. For us it's it's a part of our society. We might even have a sticker on our car or we might have something hanging up in our house. The cross, the cross, it's it's everywhere in our American culture. And that's and that's all well and good, but you know who would find that so odd? The 1st century Jew. The 1st century Rome, like this is this is this is how we envision the cross. Something nice, something smooth, but this is probably a not exactly, but maybe a little bit better picture of an actual cross. The Romans executed people on a cross. They, they executed people, and, and it was so excruciating, so awful that the law was only foreigners could die on a cross. A Roman citizen is not allowed to go through this execution. You would, you, Jesus was flogged, had his, had his bag ripped wide open. <laughs> on this cross, it's smooth. But hanging on the actual first century cross, rugged as it is. Every breath, his splinters are going into his organs. They're not, like, to, to them, for Paul to say, oh, I'm, you're boasting in the cross? What? People would curse at you as you're hanging up there. People would spit on you. You're, you're, there, you're, you're hanging there buck naked as everybody comes around you that really what you're boasting in? And Paul says, yes, because the pinnacle of my faith, the hope of the, the world hinges upon the finished work of the cross. And he says, I'm obligated to the world. Because if this is a message of hope, if this is a message of peace, I am obligated to bring this message to the world. And the world, if they're listening, they better listen. I am obligated to them. So you and I, this isn't our identity. Our identity, we're obligated to the community. We exist to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ by what? Relentlessly loving our community. If the message of the cross is worth the darn, we don't leave it here. We get out up in the community and we share that message. There is an obligation of those that know the truth to share the truth and so that is the relationship between the church and the community it can't rest on your achievements because if it rests on your achievements you leave this room boasting in me boasting in you boasting 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 if we leave this room understanding the cross we boast in one place the finished work of jesus christ it's not about religious works It's not about trying to find peace in what you're doing. It's about finding peace in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Everything else in this world has to be meaningless or it becomes an idol for us. For Paul, the matter is closed. And so he brings up circumcision again, uncircumcision, circumcision. What does it matter? He's pointing out to these people, these Jewish people, these Jewish Christians, that you're, you're pointing out that you want, you want to be defined by a mark, by cutting your body. That's how you want to be defined as? You know what Paul is screaming back at them? You want to know how I'm defined? By the marks on my back for the persecution I have faced for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how I'll choose to have my body define me. It's the marks that I'm paying to bring this message. He's yelling back at them, look at my scars, look at my back as Paul was beaten, shipwrecked, as nearly left for dead for the sake of the gospel. And so is Jesus worth the hardship? I can say standing here that the last six weeks have been hard, but it's because there was a team of people pouring into this building, as Graham was saying. I surround myself with people smarter than me. Thankfully, because this doesn't exist by me. This exists by God giving wisdom to a group of people. And I can tell you on behalf of the team of people that have poured time into this place, it's worth it because Jesus is worth it. And so when are we going to get to a place where we get off the fence and say, Jesus is worth it all. And we're going to stop trying to ride the fence and say, I'll have a foot in the world and a foot in the church, and sometimes there'll be overlap, and sometimes I might say a bad, bad, no, 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 no. Uh, when are we gonna get off the fence? We have a youth group starting the 16th. Jordan, are you here? Is that right? Yep. Cool. Uh, I'm the pastor. I know that. And so uh, we have that starting the 16th. Y'all know that there was a youth guy before Jordan, uh, Josh, and then Josh, he, like, Chris is having a baby in like any time. Uh, so pray for Krista and, uh, and so, uh, and then in between, we were trying, I was, I I had things out everywhere, I had Lancaster, I had Liberty, I I was, I was trying to find somebody, somebody to come in and help us with the youth just for the summer, because I was like, oh, starting point is fun, but the kids smell, and I don't want them in my house, but then, uh, they're in my house, okay, but then we were trying, and there was a guy that I was talking to up from New Hampshire, a family friend of mine, he was, he was on board, he was like, I'm off the fence, Jason, I'm all in to come help you at the church, I'm going to live with you, and, and this is going to be great, we're talking, we're going back and forth, I, talked to our executive team. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. Here's what we're going to do. And it got to the point where he needed to find a part-time job. And so I sent him a, a, a contact and say, hey, apply for this job. The job is yours. And at that point, this is when it was time to make this reality. And after I sent that email, you want to know how many more times I've heard from him? <laughs> Never heard from him again. <laughs> Ever. Because when it was time to make it a reality, he wasn't willing to get off the fence. And then God, you can ask Jordan about his testimony. It's darn near crazy. God was moving in his life at just the right time. And a letter and a call to Jordan, and all of a sudden Jordan reaches out to me. He texted me from Kenya and says, I'm in. From a conversation months and months and months before. And you know what happened when he's like, Jason, I'm, I'm going to pack up my stuff. I'm going to get into a car with my dad. I'm living in Colorado. When it was time for him to get off the fence, he loaded his car and traveled cross country, putting the work and the effort in to get his stuff here and load it up into my house. <laughs> he had so much stuff shipped here for the youth. You know, I don't know where it got shipped to. My house. He got off the fence, and I'm thankful for it. That's what happens when you don't treasure the world and you treasure Jesus. When you treasure Jesus, the world loses its luster. That's why Paul is able to say the cross brings us peace and mercy. Because if the cross is everything, then the world loses its luster. When when we're trying to live a life of works, then when we're pursuing the world, guess what the world does when the world does what it's supposed to do? It frustrates us. When the world is everything, the world will not bring you peace. The world will not bring you mercy. The law cannot do that. So if you make the club, if you make the drinking, if you make the girls or the boys or the dating or whatever, if you make that everything, it will frustrate you. It will not bring peace. But when Jesus is everything, there you find hope, mercy, peace, peace. Grace. It changes our cares. It changes. It changes everything about us. When cross is everything, greed is replaced with generosity. Lust is replaced with purity. Anxiety is replaced with truth, and envy is replaced with love. When are we going to be able to get to the point when we look at money, success, human praise, power, approval, attention, ungodly romance, lust? And say to the world, I would give nothing for you. Just give me Jesus. Why? Because we serve a gracious Jesus. Choosing grace. This is how Paul ends the letter. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Your spirit brothers. Amen. Galatians 6:18. The beginning the beginning portion of this chapter, of this book in Galatians 1:3 Paul is bringing up grace and now he's ending the very last verse of the book. He's saying grace. Grace at the beginning Grace at the end because freedom is grace. The religious landscape wants to make religiosity, wants to make doing and works. They're trying to merge two worlds. They're trying to merge the dead world with the living world. They're trying to to merge the works world with the grace world. And you can't merge it. You can't try to keep adding to Jesus. If you remember that first sermon that we preached from Bayside Chapel on YouTube, we said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's grace. Grace is unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor from God. Nothing we can do to earn the grace of God. That's what grace is. If you have to earn grace, it's not grace. So God gives us grace, and it points to generosity. Generosity, we serve a generous God, don't we? We serve a generous God that that gave people vision, that that gave people hard work, that that helped with the generosity of our people, and and it's all, we exist for the fame of Christ's name. His generosity to us is what motivates us to, to not only in this place, but to get out of this place. The generosity of our God points to his grace. Grace, by definition, is generous. And so we have a choice to make. Do we exist for the fame of his name or the fame of our name? You have a choice to make. Are you going to choose the the dead life or are you going to choose real life? If you choose real life, you will find grace. And so I want to remind us now with what grace does for us. Grace does four things for us as a reminder that as we leave this place, Grace reminds me that we all can drift. Paul is writing a letter to a group of people that have taken their focus off of Jesus. People that Paul was so confident of, people that Paul was like, they've got it, I can leave, I can, I can continue traveling, like, everything is good to go. But all of a sudden they drifted and they needed a reminder of grace again because at some point, moments, years, months later, whatever it might have been, they started to drift. If grace means that everything is about Jesus and it's not about me, then one of the reminders of grace is that we've always better have our guard against trying to earn, 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 do, 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 because it was never about me from the start and it's not going to be about me in the end. Grace reminds me that we all can drift. And so if you're in a moment of drifting, remember grace and get back to your Jesus. Grace reminds me of what is worth the fight. What are you fighting for? What are you putting your time, your energy, your efforts into? If grace is all about Jesus Christ, then then by definition, isn't Jesus Christ worth the fight? Isn't our life all about Jesus Christ and his fame? If I understand grace, then I understand the cornerstone of my faith is Jesus Christ. If I have a faulty foundation, the whole building collapses. But when we make Jesus the cornerstone, we fight for a healthy foundation. We wouldn't want to be in a building with a cracked foundation. We would fight to make the foundation perfect. And the foundation is perfect because the foundation is Jesus. And so we fight for Jesus. No compromise. It reminds us that we share the same starting point. I might have been a Christian for 85 years, or I might be a Christian for a day. But it started with the recognition that it's not about me, that it's about Jesus. It started with the recognition that my works, my doing, 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 doesn't cut it, and I need Jesus. So if we all share the same starting point, what room is there to look down on anybody else? We all needed grace, and we all got grace. Lastly, it reminds me, and I'm thankful for this, that we're never too far gone. If grace was at the starting point, grace is extended at the end as well. There's time and there's room to come back to Jesus because grace is offered up to us. Grace is all-powerful, and if it's all-powerful, then it's sufficient. And so if you've been drifting, perhaps you needed this recognition, this reminder of grace. Take it. It's what fuels us moving forward. Check out this video. Blooper for all times. How about the most famous case of misdirection in the history of football? Wrong way, Roy Regals. Retrieves a fumble, then rockets 60 yards to the end zone. Roy, great play, wrong way. So true story of Ro- uh, Roy Regals. He was this uh, dude from Georgia Tech. And uh, he's uh, playing in the Rose Bowl, and he Forces a fumble, picks up the fumble, and runs it 69 yards in the wrong direction. Uh, one of the guys is yelling at him, "Stop! Stop! Stop!" He finally stops. He gets tackled by his own player, and uh, it, what it leads to is a safety. And so they go into halftime. It was in the second tour of the quarter. They go into halftime, and uh, and he, they're down two nothing because Regals was an idiot. And uh, they're going through. It's it's somber in the locker room from what you will read, and then. And then the coach gets the, hey, three minutes before uh, the game starts, the third quarter starts, time to get out onto the field. He gets that, that three-minute warning, and he, and he says to the team in this moment, everybody's wondering, well, is he going to play Regals? He was just a big old idiot. He's going to cost us the game. And he, and he says, the same team that started the game starts the second half. And they got up and left. And and they say that Regals just stayed there. Everybody else left. And it was the coach and Regals. And and, and the coach just goes, Regals, did you you hear me? Get out on the field. And Regals, like with tears in his eyes, is saying, coach, I can't do it. Coach, like I failed. I let myself down. I let my name down. I let the university down. I let the team down. Like I, I can't go back out there. And he said, Regals, if you didn't hear me, get out there. The same team is starting. Regals, guess what? The game is only half over. He still got a second half. And the coach started him, played him, didn't treat him any differently. And guess what happened? Everybody that watched the game said that Regal's played out of his mind. And the second half, he was was a highlight type player. And that's what grace is. Grace is the difference maker. You're not washed up. You're not, you know, God doesn't look at you and say, I can never use that person. All, all the sins of the world, but that sin. Or no, God looks at you and says, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you. Pursue better by pursuing me, Jesus Christ. That is grace. It's undeserved, not entitled. We can be entitled or we can be grateful. And so Romans 3 says this in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law although the law law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. All who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned. All have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are what? Justified by what? His grace. As what? A gift the redemption that is in Christ Jesus for whom God put forward as appropriation of his blood. Propitiation of his blood. To be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that we, that he might be just and the justifier one who has faith in Jesus Christ. So you have a choice to make. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is nothing you can do to earn the glory of God. Nothing. And I don't want to die without the glory of God. Because those that die without God's glory don't spend eternity in God's glory. Way to, the way to receive the glory of God is to accept his perfect son. And therefore, although all have sinned, we're made perfect. We gain his righteousness by making it all about Jesus. And we receive his glory, his glory living through us. And so you have a choice to make in this moment. Is it about the name of Jesus or is it not? And my, my, my challenge to us christians and non-christians alike is to get off the fence get off the fence if you've been coming here for the last 18 months or 19 months this is our 19th birthday 19 month birthday get off the fence Make it about Jesus. Maybe this is for your salvation, or maybe this is, maybe this is like, you, you were running such a good race, but then who cut in on you, and now it's about, I need to get back to this. I need to get back to this grace. I need to get back to it. Get off the fence. Get off the fence and go back to making it all about Jesus, the name of Jesus Christ. Do you want to be entitled or grateful? Get off the fence. Do you want to be about praying for one, or do you want to be all about yourself? Get off the fence you want to exist for your fame or the fame of his name, get off the fence. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this moment. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to make everything we do about you to declare today today, a declaration of your name and about you, about you, about you and your grace. And so Father, I pray in this moment, if anybody has not given their life over to you and made life all about your grace, made life all about you, if they're still trying to hold on to portions and and pockets of their own life, and they're trying to wear multiple hats, I pray in this moment they would get off the fence and choose you today, Jesus. And if they wanna get off the fence, it's simply praying something along these lines, Father. It's praying, God, I don't have it. God, I can't do it. God, I have been existing for my name. God, I've been existing for my fame. And God, I want your glory. God, I want your righteousness. And God, I declare today that I am a sinner. And I am sorry for that. And I am accepting the finished work made possible only by your son. Today I accept it. I choose you today, Jesus. Thank you for being my everything your name amen that's a prayer you prayed today our aisle hosts will be around and they have bibles and they have information about starting point they would love to get more information into your hands as we close out this last song see them talk to them find out more let's sing Thank you so much for watching. If this was your first time with us, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you call Wellspring Church home, different ways to give are listed in the video description below. And please subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, and this YouTube channel to be kept up in all the newest content from Wellspring Church.